Welcome back to American Graffiti, one song at a time. I'm your DJ, Doris, and my guest today is Neil. Hey, Neil. Hey, Doris. How are you? I'm fine. How are things over in the UK? Oh, good. Nice since we're starting to see some decent weather, finally, which makes everyone feel better. We've had some decent weather as well. Not as good as California nights, I guess, but... <laughs> Modesta, uh, I imagine, is pretty nice in the springtime. And really hot in the summer. Indeed. <laughs> it does look hot in the film, but while they were shooting it, it was actually kind of cold. So or was it? People, when did they shoot it? I would have to look it up. I don't know by hand, but it was certainly not warm. They right. were like in, in the 50s Fahrenheit. Of course, for us Europeans, we would have to convert to Celsius now. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's not warm. No, I mean, they're wearing kind of t-shirts, shirts over the top, long trousers. Yeah, and um, people were adding extra sweaters um, right. off screen because it, it was supposed to be really cold. Interesting. Our scene today is, our song today is Barbaran, which most people know by the Beach Boys. But here in the movie, it's the original by The Regents. Yeah. It is from 1961. So it is from the year that the movie is set, or the year before. Yeah, and that was news to me, uh, that it was by The Regents, um, <laughs> <laughs> having never heard of them. But perhaps, you know, looking them up, uh, that, that's, it's not a surprise that I'd never heard of them, because they didn't really do much as far as I can make out. In, in fact, this seems to be their biggest song. Their biggest song, and it, it didn't even go up that high on the charts. I think number 13 was, was the right. top position, because that became a hit with the Beach Boys, not with the Regents. Yeah, Yeah, and, and I wonder if... Because the, the versions aren't massively dissimilar. It's mm. not like... it's. I mean, the, the, the Regents version, I mean, the original... It sounds a bit like a Beach Boysy song. You can see why the Beach Boys chose it for a cover. The surfing vibe is already there, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I wonder if they chose the Regents version just because it was cheaper to get the rights. Mm, maybe. It, I think it was B-side of a single release. I'm not that sure. Because they've got they've already they've already got a couple of other Beach Boys songs in here yeah, as well, uh, haven't they? They have. Although the Beach Boys kind of were a really new group. Hmm. Their time to really produce hits, it just started at that time. So. Right. And they did Barbara Ann in 65. Yeah, they were well into their, their career, weren't they, when they when they did Barbara Ann. So, yeah, I just wonder if that's why it was. But uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great original. I did listen to a few other Regent songs to get a feel for who they are, having not you know, heard any of them before. But yeah, it, 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 it's, a good, it's a great song, actually. It really is a great song. And, and it's one because of the Beach Boys that you know, I was very familiar with from, um, from being a child. I loved the Beach Boys when I was a kid. I had a bunch of their records uh, and Bob Brown was always, was always a favorite. I have to say that Beach Boys-wise, Barbara Ann is one of my not-so-favorite songs. Okay. But, I mean, I can only listen to so much Beach Boys at a time. <laughs> like, one or two songs and I'm, I'm done. I need a break. Right. Because, I mean, this the song isn't even about surfing, but the vibe is there. Definitely is. It still is a feel-good song. I mean, I found that I found the Regent's original is a bit bouncier than the Beach Boys in terms of the beat and the melody, but I found the I found the vocals were, were flatter. And then, interestingly... I found the lead vocal, the falsetto, to be kind of more haunting even than the Beach Boys mm. 
falsetto. So it definitely is different. Uh, you know, the Beach Boys did their thing with it. Um, and actually, I quite, I mean, I like the Regents for, uh, original just as much. It's, it's, you know, like I said, it's a bit different. It's it's very similar, but it has its own nuances, and I and I I like I respect that. I've listened to both versions, of course, as well, and I actually prefer the Regent's version. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can but see that. Yeah. Of course, it's it's just a matter of taste. Indeed. So the lyrics. Well, he's talking about a girl that he saw at a dance, which kind of fits because Kurt saw Wendy again. She's his ex-girlfriend, so they broke up Mm -hmm. because Kurt was going to leave for college. And he saw her again at the hop, at at the freshman hop at high school. Bumped into her outside, didn't he, in the the parking lot? And they meet outside in the parking lot, and then he invites himself to go along for a ride with Wendy and Bobby in Bobby's wonderful red mm. Volkswagen bug. And she was, Wendy was keen for him to come, I think. It didn't take much arm twisting. Well, I guess they were amicable. Yeah. She was not opposed to it, but she was not also not gonna um, split with Bobby. Kind of leaves. I, I promised Bobby I would ride with her tonight. Come along if you want, but I'm still gonna uh, do that. And at the end of the scene, spoiler, she stays <laughs> in the car. <laughs> she does. <laughs> It's a really interesting couple of minutes, and it's really quite a pivotal one—a a pivotal one for Carl. Mm. You know, we can talk a bit about, I guess, you know, the fact that him, him and Wendy have a bit of a snog in the backseat. Bit of a snog. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they had had something in the past. We don't really know how serious it was, do we? But they'd split up, or they'd kind of just gone their separate ways. I guess my sense is that they'd had a bit of a brief thing. They'd kind of drifted separately, separate ways. But they hadn't had it really bust up and fall out because they're still kind of chummy and yeah, yeah. And then I mean, I, gu- I guess they had the same discussion that Laurie and Steve were having. Like, we're not going to see each other for a while. Should we like really do the waiting game or like date other people? <laughs> Steve. Yeah. <laughs> what a jerk he <laughs> is. It just kind of felt similar because um, Wendy says, "Well, I've, I've been stupid." And I'm really glad you're staying. So, which I think is really interesting because Kurt not decided, has he? The whole movie kind of ums and ahs about whether he's going to go, he's going to stay. He's been given Steve advice that he does. You don't, you don't have to go away from your home to find your home, right? And and then of course, do we know in the end? I mean, maybe it's a bit of a spoiler. I don't know if you want to get too far ahead, but do we know if Steve stays or goes? Steve stays. He stays, right? Because they're supposed to be on the plane together, but I think they're not. Yeah. So in the end, Steve stays and Carl goes, whereas for most of the movie, it was the other way around. And I wonder, I just wonder if in the back seat there, after Wendy says what she says, if that's the moment that Carl decides, you know what, I got to go because otherwise it's going to be the same. Yeah. I mean, she says, um, maybe we'll have a class together. And he kind of, uh, yeah, I really don't want that. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think that was the moment that he just, in in the whole movie, he's just, at that point, he decides. He's very, very strange in the car anyway. I mean, he's he's trying so hard to, to be funny. Mm. And all the things that he says, like, our scene actually starts with half of his sentence being, top of margarine, do you want to roll around in it? (laughs) Kurt, what are you talking about? And then, of course, a little later, he's being a real jerk towards Bobby. He is. Why do I keep calling him... uh... I keep calling him Carl. It's Kurt, isn't it? I don't know it why. It is well, Kurt, it's, it's, but um, he, he does look like Carl. So. It's probably because I only watched it for the first time yesterday. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll for- talk a l- bit, little bit about that later on. Forgive me, listeners. Kurt, <laughs> Kurt. Uh, in his lovely plaid um, shirt. Um, well, it rhymes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm going to so, remember it. No. Yes. Um, yeah, he's a bit, he, he is, but he does something that's really, really funny. It's mm-hmm. not nice. It's not the nicest thing for poor Bobby, but yeah, she soon kind of kicks him, <laughs> kicks him out for it. He feels her wrath. I mean, of course, she kind of, she kind of provokes it because she could just as easily roll down the window herself and say, "Hey, Kip, mm-hmm. how's it going?" And she kind of leaves it to him, and of course, he uses. He yeah. uses the chance to kind of embarrass her in front of this supposedly cool guy, Kip yeah. Pullman. Seems cool. Seems like a cool guy. Yeah, he looks like the high school quarterback. He seems very chilled out. Yeah. Maybe something has helped him to chill out a little bit. He's not driving himself, so maybe a clue. Yeah. But yeah, the, the chance does not go go past Kurt. Uh. <laughs> I mean, he's talking about she's what is it? She swoons at your rippling bicep. Indeed, indeed. So he's probably really the chalk of uh, the jock. of the town. So yeah, he says nothing in in return, does he? He just kind of turns no. back towards the the windscreen. And- he he doesn't get any chance because I think uh, <laughs> Bobby kind of hits the brakes and pulls over. Yeah, this indeed. very second. Indeed, which which again is a pivotal moment for Kurt and in his evening. Yeah, he's in the middle of the road, and then he sees. Well, that this is also strange because, of course, um, seen before before he he asks Wendy to come in the backseat with him for a little snog. <laughs> for American uh, listeners, they make out because, of course, he was telling Bobby to follow the White Thunderbird. That's right. He With the lady the in it. Yeah. And his ex-girlfriend is in the car while he's telling Bobby to follow a woman that he's interested in. It's a bit awkward. It's really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe Wendy is hoping that, that Kurt has given up on the stream as soon as he gets to know that this woman is probably married. Yeah. And he... And- he he sees the the same T bird just now, doesn't he? When he's out, when he's kicked out of the car, doesn't yeah, he try and chase after it and gives up? Yeah, and and he's going into tunnel mode, like he's running across yeah. the road like a dog when he sees a cat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's almost run over. It's it's one of the 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 kind of ongoing arcs of the movie, is isn't it? And yeah, you know, I really want to get your your view on on the movie generally i mean maybe we, you want to talk a bit more about this scene specifically before we talk more generally well do we have to say anything more about the scene or have <laughs> we kind of already talked about everything there is to it i guess he just uh he just wanders around in the middle of the road dodges a car and then wanders back to the pavement doesn't he and that's about mm. the end of our the end of our bit isn't it yeah it is but i i'm really keen to to get your thoughts on this fluidity that is in this movie and specifically the kind of organic nature of this evening right and and i guess i don't know do you think this is just how it was is this how people kind of just they go out and there's not really a a plan i think the only real plan any of them had if any fixed nature was to go to the hop yeah the rest of it just all seems terrible like you know wonderfully organic and you know just driving around a little bit bumping into people hanging out, going separate ways, bumping into other people. Maybe that's just how it was. Maybe that's just how it was. I mean, um, what could you do? You you could hop in your car. Usually you would ride along with your friends, have fun listening to music, listen to the Wolfman, then maybe pull up to the drive-in and get a burger. Yeah, and then yeah. kind of let, let the evening go. Maybe switch cars. 
Yeah. Or maybe if you were really out looking for that someone special, you were in the hope of finding one. But I mean, basically, most of them are just in the car with their friends. They're having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, they can't go to a club and go dancing because they're mostly underage. Yeah. Or maybe there isn't such such an establishment in this small town. And so um, it's their way of listening to music and having a great time with their friends. And maybe if it's boy and girlfriend and, and they go parking and having a little snog. Mm. Or a little more than a snog. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, those, those back seats look comfy. Even the front seats look comfy because they look like kind of bench seats in the front mostly yeah as at, well. least, at least the um steve's car has a bench seat because we know that from um terry and debbie uh, snuggling up there john's car seems to have a bench seat i think most of the cars back then did, yeah. did have bench seats because they had uh, the gear level was was up top it was yeah. not in the middle console or like a big long or stick. if they were automatic cars as so many uh, american cars are yeah, I, I mean, back then, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a car guy, so I, w I don't know. I'd have to defer to, to a more I mean, more I wise know guess. that I like those vintage cars because mm. they look cool, but I don't know anything about the technical stuff. No, me neither. <laughs> you got the wrong guess for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I, I, I love the fluidity and, mm. you know, some of my best nights that I can remember have been ones where, you know, you might have a plan, like going to the hop or whatever, you know, mine happened to be, but then, you know, events take over and you end up kind of randomly meeting some friends you weren't planning on it, mm. going their way. And, and then, you know, it all just kind of escalates and spirals. And yeah, those, those turn out to be the best ones. So, so for me, what was interesting is that those are, you know, a bit, bit exceptional, those nights. That's not typically how it normally goes. But for the, these guys, it seems that that is how it it goes every night and this is what they do on you know on the weekends and and this is just always how it is this is the norm yeah at least for john for the the mm -hmm. older one in the group it is just a regular night i mean for the others it is special because it's supposed to the last night in town and then they're all mm -hmm. gonna go on that plane gonna go to college leave their girlfriends behind start their grown-up life so yeah. maybe there's i mean terry isn't terry is younger i think he's still in school terry the tiger <laughs> yeah <laughs> little toady tiger oh he's my favorite terry yeah mine as well oh he's the best yeah he never was my favorite character but i'm, I'm re-watching it mm. now i haven't i haven't watched the film in in a long time and he's become my favorite character because i can relate so much to his dorkiness yeah. oh, kind of his awkwardness him. that whole the whole scene with him trying to get the liquor is just Oh, you yeah. feel for him. But I mean, Kurt, Kurt's a pretty stand-up guy. He, he's he got some some admirable characteristics about him. Steve, less so. He's obviously, he's a bit of a jerk, Steve. <laughs> yeah, Kurt, I think Kurt always is kind of like very level-headed, except when he's around girls. Yeah, that's kind of, how old are these guys? They're supposedly 18 years old. Because they, they just graduated high school and are starting college. So, right. 17, 18. Yeah, and, and so I think that probably describes most guys at 17, 18. Confident in other stuff, like sports or academia or whatever it might be. But but around girls, not really having a clue. Well, he's, he's always trying to be extra witty and funny. and. You know, what's interesting, you know, but if I think about my college days, because in, in, in the UK... Your high school ends two years earlier. 
when you're 16. And when you're 17, 18, you go to sixth form college, mm-hmm. which some, for some people is the same school. For others, it, like me, it's a different place. And this, this, the college I went to only has those two years. So you, all of the students come in and out in, in two years. And so you're really exposed to, when you go there, a huge amount of new people. So you've grown through high school with the same people. And then mm. you go to college and, and lots of people from all around different high schools around the area all go to this college. So you, you get introduced to a lot of new people. If I think, if I remember back then, you know, I wasn't really confident with girls and it looks like most guys just didn't really kind of, you know, overacted or tried to kind of, you know, impress or things like that. But actually, if, you know, if I could just talk to my, my younger self back then, you would just, I would just say something like, well, just be yourself and just be normal. Chill chill yeah just relax it's not as bad yeah i mean girls are the same Mm. yeah a lot of girls are very uncomfortable around boys as well at that age my high school i mean i went through well german high school it it depends of course but it's also not like in the states that there is a separate school for middle school and high school like Mm -hmm. you start at fifth grade you leave after uh k-12 or k-13 depends on the state you're in i spent all that time with the same people Mm. in the same school. The school where I teach, it's just the three years, the last three years. Right. So it's basically the same situation as a sixth form college. Mm. I mean, I can see it. The girls are usually so much more grown up than the boys at the same age. Yes. But they're still awkward around each other. And these guys, these guys, the, the girls and the guys, they, they've got a now got a, I guess, a choice to make, right? I mean, that's what the whole movie's about, I guess. Um, so Kurt, he has a scholarship somewhere, somewhere else in the country. Well, the the local Elk Lodge, right. Elk Lodge, <laughs> Elk Lodge sponsor, also something yes. that I have never heard of before of this movie. <laughs> Elk Lodge. Sponsors him. I think they they give him a check for two thousand dollars, which in nineteen sixty two probably is a whole lot of money. Yeah. They're paying for his college tuition, I guess. Yeah, which is... I've many questions about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he also has a, an option to stay. So I guess he has a place, like a, a default place in his local. I mean, community college, probably. Yeah. They would just... Everyone can go at that age if you live in the area, I guess. I guess, I guess so. Yeah. But yeah. if you want to go somewhere else, off you go. Interesting. He probably had the scholarship for a more prestigious university. Mm. And of course, the local college um, will not probably turn you into a very famous author. Right. Also, spoiler, of course, he, he turns into a writer. So in when I'm at Sixth Form College, you know, you've got two years and, and a lot of that second year is spent considering where to go to university because again that's that's a different place right you got to you, you've got to actually apply for these places mm-hmm. just as i guess you know kurt had to apply to wherever it is he wanted to go and, and get in, with his scholarship but the we didn't have a default you can stay and just go to this university at home that didn't exist so if you don't apply to somewhere you don't go you just have to go and get a job so that's that's an interesting dynamic to have something that is you know, you fall back because, yeah, I didn't have that. So it adds a lot of stress to, to that second year when you're also kind of going through, your, you know, your exams and trying to get your, what was then A-levels, I guess. I don't know. I actually don't know if they do A-levels or if it's something different now in the UK. But but to get your A-levels, they are obviously key to getting into university. If you want to go to a top college, a top university, you've got to, you've got to get top grades at your A-levels. So there's a lot of pressure and, and stress around in that second year. Um, but that, that first year was was a lot of fun. These guys, they're all, they're, they're at the point now in that, 
where they've they've got it all sorted out. It's the last night, so they've they're really letting their hair down. And then, of course, well, Kurt has already kind of, he and his girlfriend have split. Then we, of course, see Steve and Laurie just trying to figure it out because they want different things from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also a situation that is not that familiar to myself because um, I happen to go to the university that was a 20-minute drive from my parents' house. So all through my university, I stayed where I was, living at right. home. Yeah. So... Kind of regretting that um, because um, you get independent a lot faster once you actually leave. But I mean, it's different back back then in the early 90s uh, for what I was studying. I didn't even apply for university. I just went there. I want to do this. Sign me up. I was in. <laughs> and of course, it just, it didn't cost any money. Well, that's the thing. It's, you know, when I, I went away, I went from the northeast of England down to London to go to university. And that cost, you know, me and my, my parents, more, more, more so my parents, a lot of money. I mean, the university back then didn't, we, you didn't have to pay. There's no tuition fees. There are now, but you have to pay for your accommodation. So that costs a lot of money. And uh, Also, my parents told me, if you want to move away, we're not paying for you for your living expenses. You would have to right. work for that. But if you go to that university, which is just around the corner, of course yeah. yeah so it's also a financial thing and then yeah tuition fees um you just pay for service fees like you you get your student card and stuff you don't have to pay tuition in germany as well so even the thing with scholarships is not as hard i mean there are elite universities now i mean if mm -hmm. you really want to be that field you need to go to munich or that field you really should go to heidelberg or right. medicine for example heidelberg or you need to go to hamburg at university so of course it's it's costly to move away it's also something and of course all my high school friends they went and studied at that same university so we never kind of left each other well i mean that and that makes a lot of sense that that's um you know that's a that's a comforting factor that you know helped you make that decision I think there are merits either way. I, I, not it, it doesn't necessarily need to be something that you regret because it ended up, you know, making you who you are, and that's you know gives it gives it credit. But I, I the problem I had back then was I didn't know what I wanted to do. So you know, choosing a university and choosing a course, a degree to do was actually very difficult. I ended up choosing a a bit of a stupid one, and I. I got a degree in sports science. Why is that stupid, Neil? Well, because it's it's not very practical and you can't really do much with it. And and then I ended up not doing anything with it. So I guess I didn't really, it didn't really matter in the end. Well, I switched majors after the first semester. I stayed right. at the same university, but I totally switched courses. I started out at law mm -hmm. and then I switched to English and history for a teaching degree. So mm. doing a 180 here, but it, it didn't mean that I had to, to switch universities because right. it didn't matter. Yeah, well, that's good. I wish I'd thought about it back then a bit more and, and got something that was a bit more practical. I mean, only, you know, in, in the last 10 years or so, I'm 42 years old now, in the last 10 years or so, I've really developed an interest in history. And now I would love to to do a history degree. Now, of course, I have no time, but it would be it would have been great. I'd love to have done a history degree. Um, that would have been fantastic, but that's kind of gone. So I, my regret is not knowing earlier what... Maybe that's not something you can regret, but you know that <laughs> I wish I'd I wish I'd known earlier what I was really in, what I would become interested in. Well, I, I didn't really know back then either. So <laughs> who does when they're eighteen? I mean, how can you? I mean, um, knowing very very fast that law was not 
the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Right. And then just switching to the two subjects that I had most fun with at high school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's why I chose sport, sports science, really, because yeah. I enjoyed sports and I, and I liked science. So I thought, all right, well, that's great. Why, would I, why don't I just do that? But I, I, I would have appreciated, you know, an old wise head putting their arm around my shoulder and going, Neil, what are you going to do with this degree? You're going to be a sports teacher? You're going to be a, um, a coach? Is that what you want? Hey, there's nothing wrong with those uh, vocations if that's what you want to do. I mean, there there is this person in the film. Yeah, there is this high school teacher that Kurt talks with at the. Oh home. my lord! Uh, yeah, the creepy one. <laughs> the creepy one. But he also kind of tells him, "Well, I went there and there, and I had all these yeah. possibilities and dreams, and look where I ended up. I'm back at the old high school." <laughs> <laughs> he encourages Kurt to go, doesn't he, to yeah. to broaden his horizons. Even if you come back one day, it's an experience that you will have, yeah, and that will kind of change you and broaden your horizon. Is never a bad thing. For a creepy guy, he does give him some good advice there, I think. Yeah. Also, I mean, how creepy would he have been in 1962? Do you think there's, it was a different bar then? I guess. Mm. I mean, audiences watching that film in 1972, probably they were still, yeah, he's icky, but right. probably not as... Not crossing as, the line. We're watching it with different eyes today. I think today, certainly in the last, I don't know, what do you want to put it on, 10 years, maybe less, Things have changed a lot in that in that regard, but yeah, he you know he, he, it was good it was good advice. Kurt ends up taking it, so so I guess good for him. You know, my one of my other favorite characters in this movie is John, and I guess it's because I really love the bits with John and um, Debbie's. Is it Debbie's sister? No, no, it's not Debbie's sister. Um... Whose sister? It's someone's. Her Judy's, old, Judy's her, sister. Her older sister is in, in, in also riding around with her friends in a car. I forgot her name. I forgot her the character's name, but it but I recall from the girl that John talks to in the car, she says, Oh, I'm not gonna but Judy's sister will come. So Judy's sister, the young girl, her and John in the car for the rest of the night, I think is is are my favourite moments. And especially of course when they when they trance the girls in their in their car and spray the Shaving foam. <laughs> That's a brilliant moment. But yeah. she's just she's just so innocent and sweet. And you know, John John is a good guy, right? He John, is a really good guy. John is a good and so she looked she looked out by kind of, you know, not jumping in some creep's car. And they you know, she kind of she's good for John and John's good for her, I think, in yeah. that moment. Yeah. He learned something that night. Everyone kind of learns something that night. Yeah. That is the special thing about it. I don't know. Does Steve learn? I'm not sure about Steve. <sighs> well, <Is he> st <laughs> Steve, maybe Steve learns that he is not as cool as he thought. Uh, Although he's the class president and bound for the greatness in life. Well, he ends up staying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, if, if it makes him happy. Yeah, that's right. Well, of, of course, his pivotal moment um, is when he you know gets the offer from the waitress at the drive-in and ultimately turns her down and then of course he, f he finds out that uh, his, his girlfriend's off with bob falfa <laughs> <laughs> jumped in bob falfa's car that's his pivotal moment and but i think i think we get kurtz right here in in our minutes i think so too or he's he's chasing a phantom yeah. all through the night and maybe he realizes that chasing phantoms doesn't get you anywhere and you actually have to to take the chances that you're offered so maybe the pharaohs help with that too because they he, probably he sees what you know life is like if you stay either you become a drag racer like john or you become a pharaoh 
and yeah, a low low time punk. Right, <laughs> doesn't and he's better than that than that, isn't he? <laughs> How long do you think this era lasted? Basically, uh, until every one of those young men was sent to Vietnam. Yeah, so just a couple of years. A couple more, more and years then it was over. That's what did it for it, wasn't it? And that's uh, that's a sad I mean, end, isn't it? The late sixties are. Totally different culture in, in, in everywhere, not just the States. Yeah, the summer of love and hippies and yeah, that I sort think of thing. Maybe 1966, 1967 is the last, that is the ultimate end date. But I think it, it already started to peter out by 63 when, you know, Kennedy being assassinated mm. and kind of all that innocence going away. That's right. That they Yeah, that innocence of the nation gets killed along with Kennedy, doesn't it? And they grow. They all grow up with the snap of a finger, and and of course Vietnam. But you know these these eras, they not they never last forever, do, do they? And I, you know this zeitgeist just it, they're always a flash. You know my own was um, when I was when I was growing up in my late teens. We would go to a place called Whitley Bay. Whitley Bay, I guess, was the Modesto of um, <laughs> of the Northeast. Bit rougher. And Whitley Bay had about a 15-year period where it, before which it was nothing and after which it was nothing. When I say nothing, I mean, you know, there was nothing there. But during that 15 years, just bars sprang up around one or two main streets. And this is a coastal town on the seafront. So there was one strip along the seafront and then one road going up perpendicular in the middle. And it was just bars. And you know, we have we had a legal age of eighteen to drink, so we didn't have the problem these guys have. Mm. And you didn't need cars because you were just bar hopping. Yeah, and we would walk down, and we would walk back home, and yeah, it was it was a flash, and it was a lot of fun because you'd it was fluid as well. You would go off with people, come back, and meet your group again. So I guess it was kind of in a way similar, but probably more fights. <laughs> and more more serious activity that you you desperately wanted to avoid um but yeah that was it and then and and I think you know when you look through kind of what this then turned into the you know the swinging 60s that didn't really last too long either did it and I guess none of these really do it's just always a flash of the pan kind of yeah and looked upon so with so much loving nostalgia by the people who lived through it that's right and you know that yes absolutely and for those that enjoyed it, there's nothing else, is there? There's nothing else that can compare. There is nothing uh, better than those couple of years when you're old enough to do stuff, but not not an adult yet with all those responsibilities that come with being an adult. Hmm. Yeah, so it's it's such a short time to enjoy. And this is this is Lucas's love letter to that era. Yeah, looking backwards, love right? letter to his own teenage years. Yeah, with all those characters being kind of a fragment of his own personality. And what's really interesting is that when, I guess when he was writing and making this, it was what, mid-70s? When was this? Early 70s. This early 70s. Early this 70s. Is out in 73. So yeah. at that time, I guess a lot of serious filmmakers were making films about Vietnam. Uh, and then Lucas decides not to do that. I think he tried. Didn't he try and make an apocalypse now? Couldn't I get it. I'm not sure how much he was involved. I mean, he's friends with Francis Ford Coppola. I'm not sure how much he was involved in, in something akin or even a Apocalypse Now itself. Hmm. But I mean, he, he kind of then channeled his his criticism of that whole Vietnam thing into Star Wars. 
What I find interesting is that, of course, it's merely a decade after that this film was made. And American 1972 feels totally different than American 1962. Yeah. You know, you can't blame him for for wanting to kind of document it and capture it. I think he does a fa- I think he does a fantastic job. I think this is a, a really good movie. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Me too. Even if I look at it a little bit differently after rewatching it like with 15 year hiatus in between. I really watched it a lot when I was younger. Still very much get that feeling. I mean, I'm, I might not look at the characters the same way that I once did. Um, I look at them differently. I appreciate different characters from what I saw back then. But um, yeah, I get I get the feeling that he wanted to, to encapture. And he did that brilliantly, I think. He did. The genius idea of having that live radio show going on. Yeah, the, the soundtrack to the movie, wasn't it? And, and I mean, what's really interesting then is that it, there's no... There's no film score. It's mm. just song after song after song. It doesn't, yeah, doesn't need a film score. With the Wolfman in between, because every piece of music you hear is actually a piece of music that the characters hear, which kind of lends it that credibility, that sort of realism. This could be us. This could be us driving through the night with the radio on. Of yeah. course, there's just this one cool station, so everyone listens to the same station. That's right. It's a really quite... And a nice, te- and an interesting kind of aspect to the movie, and, and I guess that's kind of why this is a special movie because of that, because of the way that it's made. It's it's almost like you would expect some like someone like Tarantino maybe to come up with a, we- a weirdo idea like that. Mm. Just uh, song after song after song, and it's what everyone's listening to that whole night, and it's all just one night. And it's really, it's a really in- innovative concept, I think. So, you know, you've got to give kind of kudos to Lucas for that. Yeah, and he's never done anything like it since. Mm. Well, no, that's right. I mean, he's, his world just got kind of gazumped, didn't it, by Star yeah. Wars. Star Wars and Indiana Jones. <laughs> and you, and you kind of feel it. like... And producing you, other stuff, yeah. That's right, that's right. You You kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe looking from the outside, like he kind of didn't really want his life turned into you know, Star Wars life, <laughs> but it I don't did. know, man. He, he kind of did it to himself then because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he quit after three movies. He, he yeah. could have just said, that's it. I'm leaving that. Maybe he should have. Who uh, knows? Well, you know what? Speaking of Star Wars, because I know you're a big Star Wars fan, Doris. Yeah. So when, when John gives the little kind of, his little gear stick widget <laughs> to Judy's sister. Yeah. Is that like baby Yoda in the Mando? I think I think the baby Yoda scene with the uh the knob is a direct reference to this scene. I think that's right, isn't it? That's Absolutely. a really nice one. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm positive about that. <laughs> we should ask John, I kept John thinking Favreau. when I first saw it on on, on Mandalorian, I kept thinking, oh, someone's been watching their American graffiti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go on, you can take it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. It's I mean, a nice nod. John, yeah. John Favreau is exactly the guy who would put in little things like that. I think so, yes. Yeah. And and it's right that John that it's John in our movie, John Milner, because he's the kind of Mandalorian of the movie, I think. The loner. Yeah, and of course. I mean Baby Yoda is cuter than Carol. Oh, pardon me, Carol. But oh, bless her. <laughs> Baby Yoda is not an awkward teenager yet. Although Carol <laughs> I, I really like Carol. Carol's great and Mackenzie Phillips is fantastic. Yeah. As Carol. I think she's one of the stars of the movie. Yeah, she is great. I mean she really was only thirteen when they shot it. That's insane, isn't it? She does such a good Everyone job. else pretending to be 18 and really being uh, 25, 26. <laughs> right. Wow. I hadn't appreciated that. Crumbs, yeah. 
So was that really Ron Howard? Was that old when he was doing uh, Ron Happy Howard, Days? And all I think that? he was eighteen or nineteen. Okay. Charles Martin Smith was also eighteen and or nineteen. Right. They were the young ones, along with Mackenzie Phillips. The other ones were all very much older. Wow. I mean, Richard Dreyfus, I think, is is basically always looked like he's in his. Yeah, he 40s. was twenty six, I think, at that time. Wow. But he, oh, he he looks like he's forty. He's always looked like forty. I agree. He does. He's got an old face. <laughs> He's got a weathered face. I mean, he's, isn't he wonderful, though? I mean, I really love Richard Dreyfuss. I love actor. everyone in this film. Yeah, that's true. Even Ron Howard, uh, he playing against, a little bit against character, because, mm. of course, he's he's not good guy OP. Mm. Yeah, Steve is a little bit of a jerk in this one. Big jerk, my book. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you say so. I think so. I think he's a big jerk. He is. He he's is. very selfish. He actually is. I really, I mean, I only saw this movie for the first time yesterday. So thank you for inviting me on the show and and, and asking me to watch it because I had never seen it before. I don't know why. It's just one of those movies that has just never come up and it probably should have. And I, and I really, really loved it. And a lot, of, a lot of movies that I watch to go on people's podcasts, I really don't. And I really hate. <laughs> well, I mean, I can also be a very interesting conversation with someone who really does not like the movie you're talking about it can be i mean i remember the same situation uh, doing the mash podcast Mm. because of course i loving the the television show but Mm. only remembering very dimly having watched the movie like years before and then watching it again for the podcast and finding out oops i'm supposed to be on this podcast and i didn't (laughs) get too much out of this one (laughs) but yeah. yeah, I mean, talking about a film doesn't doesn't mean that you just have to fawn over it. True, but it isn't refreshing change to actually watch one that is really good and that I do actually like a lot. Well, that is so glad to hear. <laughs> well, because it, it, it's kind of you just feel like when you're watching this movie, like you are just riding along with these kids. You're part of their night. Yeah, and it's not a bad night. They're having fun. They're having fun, All and of I, them. I and I think that's really the it, Lucas's achievement here. It's. It's 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 bringing the audience into the lives of these guys, and I know that kind of you could probably say that about about a lot of movies, but this one I think you really do because maybe it's because it's only one night, um, and maybe because of the way that he builds the the story around the songs and around the the radio show, and you know bringing that in in person at the end, you know when Wolfman Jack makes his appearance. Spoilers, sorry. That I think that really does bring you in as to as the audience into what's happening and into the dynamics that are going on, and it's just a really it's a really interesting time. Not just because of the the culture and looking back and the romance of it, but it's an interesting time in these these kids' lives too. Yeah, loved it. It's kind of leaving your childhood behind. Yeah, at least for some of them. <laughs> okay, Neil. Mm. Of course, you haven't just guessed it on other people's podcasts about movies. You have your own podcast. I do. My version of this, which is a, a movies by minutes podcast, is called the Mogwai Minute. And um, my co-host George and I wrapped that up a couple of years ago. Now uh, we talked about. Uh, gremlins and gremlins 2 one minute at a time so that's all that's all out there in podcast land you can find that but i do have a new podcast that i'm working on which is not a movies by minutes podcast but it is movies it's um it's called science and magic the films of studio ghibli two good friends of mine and i talk about each of the ghibli movies one at a time in release order so there's 20 21 22 so far so we've got 21 22 episodes it's actually not out yet. 
uh, we've done we've recorded four of them. Um, so we'll get a few more in the bank before before we start releasing them out. But um, just keep an eye out if you like Studio Ghibli. And of course, um, since they're still producing stuff, this mm. could be an ongoing thing for you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, you know, we just we all just hope that uh, that Miyazaki lives lives forever He's, uh, and just keeps making his amazing movies. But yeah, keep an eye out for that if you if you're interested. Science and magic. And if any of you guys out there want to talk a little bit more about American Graffiti, come join us in Mel's Listener Drive-In on Facebook. That's our listener group. Or if you are not in the Facebook thing, you can find us under VCR Privileges on Twitter and Instagram. He's really fast, isn't he?